Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, Tim and I will discuss our top five episodes. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is The Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. I'm Tim Fowler, and welcome to The Tim Fowler Show. As the introduction indicated, we thought it would be a lot of fun to go down memory lane, although it's not that long a memory, but memory lane and just talk about some of our favorite shows and some of the favorite moments from those shows. We have had so many great insights on every show. Uh, It's very, very hard to pick favorites, and uh, we're certainly not picking our favorite guests. Now, I know many of our guests are very competitive, and they're going to be getting in touch with me and, and saying, hey, how come I wasn't number one? But that's not what it's all about, right? These are the things that we've picked out that we believe are are big ideas to remember, and maybe even big ideas that we think can really uh, change companies. So every guest we've had on has brought a very unique view of the world and have shared a great number of things that uh, have made this show great. And like I've said before, almost every show, and maybe it's every show, I've come away with at least one little thing that I've been sharing with other people. So Steve has picked five and I have picked five and we're going to share those with you. And if you're new to the show, go back and pick up the shows you've missed. This, uh, this discussion may whet your appetite for that. You can find them all at the Tim And uh, take a listen to some great training and teaching about our industry. So let's jump right to it, Steve. So what do you have as your number five? So, Tim, number five, I have running effective production meetings with Terry McDermott. So what hit you for that one? So I think, uh, you know, basically Terry just kind of painted the picture of what those production meetings looked like before they made a change. And I think this can speak to so many people's businesses is we do things because that's what we did and that's what the people before us told us to do. We don't question it and we don't. Uh, you know, think of different ways because it's just a part of the routine. And she attended the production conference last year and just the lights went, you know, the lights went on. And, um, you know, I think you quoted perfectly is, you know, when they had the previous meetings and they were ineffective with everybody in attendance, as you said, you had a lot of money sitting in a room and not a whole (laughs) lot being accomplished. And that to her just really, was the catalyst of making the change. So she came back and completely blew up their process and started from scratch. So everything changed from there. It was a, uh, became interactive. They reviewed processes between the team. They became stimulating. Uh, they built a bridge between departments. You know, team building was huge. And she used the gift cards to, uh, you know, get them talking or get them giving feedback and, she really went to all of them and got the feedback for the foundation of the process, which was just great. And I, I loved every second of that episode. It was early on. Um, and see if I'm missing anything. Um, 
Yeah, it's just it was just a matter of of always looking to improve, and I, I loved her feedback, and actually was happy to meet her this past week at the production conference. Yeah, I think one of the things that hit me about her approach there was they started doing different things at different meetings, and so it wasn't the same old thing every meeting. And one thing that they did that uh, I'm going to give them complete credit for was they really had a, a struggle with the sales production relationship and sales design and production. And they literally started giving a production person and a design person, pairing them up and letting them sit and talk about what the problems were and how they could solve the problems together. I've never heard of anybody doing this before. And I just give her a lot of credit for thinking about that and using her creativity to make that happen. And it has changed the dynamic. Now there's always going to be that tension. I understand that. But with that company, it's really, really changed that dynamic. Yeah. And so Tim, what is your number five? Well, number five for me has to be controlling the scope creep with change orders during the sales process with Will Giese from Bellwether in Philadelphia. This to me probably could, it could be one of the things that changes our industry uh, across the board. It's something that I have talked with other clients about. I meet them. I talk to them. I go, you got to go back and listen to my podcast on this because it can be a real game changer. So the problem being that as clients change their idea about what they want in their project, it almost always gets more expensive. And so two problems are eliminated by this change order process that Will has in place. One is they're no longer getting to the end of the design phase and the client going like, oh my goodness, that's too much money. And then the other thing that's happening is in the process, so they're charging for design and all these changes, they weren't getting extra money for design. So they might budget 25 hours for design. The client goes through all these changes and they're still only getting 25 hours. So their change order is actually increasing the design time and the design budget as it moves forward. The other thing that was kind of cool about this, and I, I want to do this again as we move forward, is that we actually got to have his production manager, Ryan, on with us at the same time. And just to hear Ryan say, okay, this is mostly a sales thing that's going on, but he's seeing impacts in the production department. And the one that hit me the most was, I think it was the first one he said, it was the, ch the clients are used to change it, signing change orders. So <laughs> when one happens on the job, they know they're going to get a change order. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're reducing their stress they used to have and their, that innovation that they put in, that was, that was, I agree. That was a fantastic episode as well. All right, so number four for you, Steve. On to number four was transition from home building to remodeling with Kevin Gregory. Uh, I think, you know, I enjoyed Kevin's uh, talking to Kevin uh, to start with, but I think, you know, he his motivation uh, from coming up in the industry, I think, was just fantastic to hear. I think his credo of always moving up or moving forward stuck with me. Um, he said, whoever has the job ahead of me, that's what I wanted. And you, could you ask any more from an employee who just who wants to grow, who wants to uh, accelerate in their career? And that's why he is where he is. Um, 
And I think one of the other things that was pretty cool to hear him talk about was the difference between the speed and quality from home building and remodeling. So where, you know, one tile job, I think he said took a few days and the other was 13 days. And why is that? And do, you know, there are certain things we can do to change that, but he really explained why things are how they are in the different industries. Yeah. So this has been a big discussion across uh, many, many different panels about whether someone can make that jump from basically doing track houses, which have very, very fast turnarounds and very, very little client interaction and, and dare I say it, often a lack of quality in the craftsmanship and making the jump to the remodeling world where the turnaround time is longer. Uh, the quality has to be uh, greater, at least for the companies that he's worked for and his own company now, but also just, just the interactions with the client that have to take place. And I know from working with Kevin, both in the podcast and some other uh, avenues, he, he's a real innovator at, in systems and trying to make sure things run smoothly along the way, but has really actively and, and very successfully made that transition over from that project manager, new home to uh, production manager for remodeling. So uh, I, I think he's done really well and I really appreciated his, his thoughts about that. Yeah. So Tim, you were number four. My number four is one of the ones we did very, very early on. And uh, it was with David Kabler from Hearth uh, Remodeling in Pennsylvania. And it was about hiring from trade schools. And really, anybody that's been around me at all, I've been a little bit disappointed in our industry for the, the way that we have not shouldered the responsibility of um, getting new people into our business. We've just complained about it. We've blamed the government. We've blamed tech schools. We've blamed everybody out there and never really taken responsibility for it. And this was one event where uh, David and Hearth Builders really took responsibility for their own destiny and have uh, gotten actively involved in the trade school. So that's the key to me, and he, as he explained it, it isn't just a matter of, you know, going there one day and saying, hey, I'm looking for some new employees, what do you think? But he's gotten involved in both the, uh, the business side of it. He goes there, he meets the students on a regular basis. He does their, uh, their days when they have employers come in. He's gotten to be friends with the teacher of the carpentry program and by doing all that then they uh give him sort of special privilege if you will to uh hire some of the best out of that class and and recommendations from the teacher yeah david's david is somebody who really takes it upon himself to make that change when he sees something stagnant or a process that just isn't working he he's always into improvement so this reminds me of how hard this was to assemble this list because that was a fantastic, that was our first episode. That was fantastic. So my number three goes to uh, the customer satisfaction with Sal Alfano. Um, Anybody that talks with Sal, anybody that's around Sal just knows that uh, he's the godfather in a way of, you know, he just 
uh, showers you with wisdom every time you talk to him. So I, every time I sh- see him at a show, you know, I just pick his brain a little bit. And that episode was one of those examples of, of having Sal talk about his many years uh, of experience as a carpenter, as contractor, custom home builder, journalist. Uh, he's just, he goes across all of the fields um, where his, his experience took him. So um, I think some of the things were um, just the importance of craftsmanship, the communication. He talked about project efficiency. He did. Um, and, and the biggest part of that episode was that I heard the most feedback on was when Sal talked about transparency. And that happens to be a huge buzzword in the industry currently. Yeah, I. Uh, it makes me remember and think about, and I'm going to say this in a joking way. When I first met Sal, part of my goal was to pick his pocket. Uh, <laughs> I used to try to get him to take me out to dinner because he had a bigger budget than I did uh, at some of these trade shows. And now, like you suggested, now when I see him, not only is he on to me about picking his pocket, but uh, it's more about just hearing what he has to say. It's more about what are you hearing out there? What is your wisdom? What is the the beat on the street that you're hearing, particularly because of his involvement in several magazines and, and so forth like that? I found it really interesting that uh, he moved uh, recently back to his home in Vermont and had a contractor remodel his house. Yeah. And some of the things that he was sharing with us was, you know, like um, just what the experience is like from a homeowner's perspective yeah, and not just the contractor perspective. Yeah. Having that real time feedback. And uh, one last thing I thought was fantastic at the end of that episode, just talking about it. And it just shows how kind of evolved he is in his thinking of to be able to um, have, uh, people have long careers in this industry is to protect their bodies, to be smarter oh, yeah. with the way they work. And I thought that was just a great finish to that episode. Uh, Definitely. So, so Tim, on to your number three. So my number three has to be the one we did fairly recently with Brad Hogan on developing systems within a company. And the big takeaway for me, because we asked him like, what, what is the one thing, you know, if, if anybody could just do one system, what would you do or how would you get started on this? And his, his thought was the process map. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this expression a lot, particularly in our production manager roundtables that I work with. But the idea of kind of figuring out where you want to go with your systems all the way from when the call comes in from the client to when you actually finish up a job and then go back and start working out the systems that go with each step. Because what I see in many companies is we want to jump to the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, we got a problem with change orders. Okay, we got to fix that. And we, oh, you know, we're not finishing jobs very fast. We got to fix that. But what, when you start asking, you know, why do we have a problem with change orders? When you start asking, why, really, why are we having trouble finishing up jobs? and you start backing up two or three steps, you start figuring out that the problem really isn't with the change order. The problem is somewhere three or four steps back. And if you don't fix that, then 
you'll never get the change workers right. And I know that's true for that completion of a job. And, and so I just felt like he set a good tone for us by saying that's the most critical thing. That's the most important thing in terms of developing systems. Yeah. I've, when I started out, that was the issue. I would kind of spot treat systems and processes based on fires. And what happens is you just don't get – you have systems and processes that don't have a cohesive tone. So uh, that was that was a fantastic episode. On to my number two is Keeping Craft Alive with Rob Yeagid. He's from Fine Home Building Magazine. Uh, I had been a huge fan of not only Fine Home Building Magazine in, in the past, but – with the Keep Craft Alive movement on Instagram. Uh, just fascinated to hear when you have somebody like Rob who's taken it upon themselves to make a change in the industry, especially as it pertains to the skills gap. And Rob has done a fantastic job with the Keep Craft Alive. Um, not only does it celebrate craftsmanship, but it also uh, provides – um, scholarships. I think last year for Skills USA, they provided more than seventy thousand dollars in scholarship funds, um, and that just you know that makes a huge impact on the industry and the future of uh, that skills gap we're facing. Yeah, and I know it's a commitment between you and me that we keep beating the drum for training, 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 training. And uh, they've, they're covering one side of it, and they're really encouraging uh, others to get actively involved in training. So I think, you know, if enough people really uh, put it on the forefront of their, their burners, so to speak, then we can turn this thing around. I'm just afraid I won't be around when uh, everybody's <laughs> going like, there's too many skilled people out here. We don't need anybody else. Stop training. But uh, I, I really do appreciate the fact that uh, they've jumped in neck deep, and we really encourage people to support that uh, effort, both find home building and keep craft alive, uh, because if it doesn't get supported, then obviously that'll drop off as well. Yeah, and obviously from his background in journalism and the fact that he does host a podcast himself, he has a great delivery and a great way of communicating, so it's a really smooth and great listen. For that sure episode. Enough. So uh, you're, where are we, Tim? You're number two. Number two. Okay. So I have to have how to fire a client uh, <laughs> so right great. up here on the top of my, my list with Jackie Stasek. I, I just, you know, I talked with Jackie one day and we were talking about something else and she just quickly said, I had to fire a client this morning. And I said, oh, we just got to talk about that. Every contractor uh, has thought, like, how do I get rid of this person? I still have half a job to go, and they are just the biggest pain in the neck. And uh, and then every employee for a company has had that experience where they go, I just don't want to go to work today because this client yeah. is just so uh, abusive, if you will, in some cases, and, and sometimes just hard to deal with. Yeah. And so I, I just got... I just thought that was one of the best things we could put on the air for anybody out there. We could help the industry greatly by putting that out there. Yeah, that one was fantastic. And just going through it in the past, we've all been there. And when I mentioned it to a few people this past week at the summit and the production conference, 
uh, they started to share their stories. And again, we've all been there. So people are really thankful that she was able to, um, you know, ha- be on the show. And the fact that she had a great way of communicating that point. Yeah. And I think the whole thing is in the, the contract language the, and then your willingness to take the heat. Yep. And I think that's something that she dramatically demonstrated in that, you know, it, it, it's the kind of thing where she didn't hem and haw and worry about it. They talked about it. They, you know, every decision, it wasn't just like, oh, they're being a pain in the neck. We're going to get rid of them. But it was a conscious decision based on various kinds of things. And then one of the other highlights was what kind of impact did it have on her team? And she said every time they did this, it was a positive impact on the team. Uh, people responded really well. They recognized that management was watching out for them. And so you've just got to be able to see a great benefit to doing this when it has to be done. Yeah. So, Steve, we're down to number one. What's your number one? So this was, uh, you know, this one was an easy one for me. I absolutely loved the zero punch list with Michael Barkhouse. Uh, I think having somebody that's able to point out a fatal flaw in the way we operate as remodelers, especially on the production side, well, across the board, dealing with clients and having them pick apart the end of the project with a punch list. So, you know, he mentioned getting the idea from uh, the seminar, the example you gave about, you know, you don't buy a car and then start picking apart the paint job. But um, he had a quote that he says, you know, we had to get to a point where they struggled with the end of the project and they kept going back to what is perfection. Well, really, there is no perfection. And I think we all need to know that. His quote was, what is our standard? Get comfortable with it and don't ask someone to pay for it until we've achieved it. And that to me was just the, you know, it's, it should be written on all the walls of every company. (laughs) What is our standard? That is, that is the, the gold standard. Yeah. So the thing that stuck out for me, not only because this is a, like one of my drum beats and I, I joked about, you know, wanting to put on my tombstone, like Tim eliminated punch list, (laughs) but, uh, but the thing that I heard, Mike say, which was really, uh, I think, astounding, is that it, it absorbed every part of the company. So in other words, it wasn't just the project manager or the lead carpenter that was stuck trying to make a zero punch. Yeah. They started with the salespeople talking about zero. They, they uh, in the estimating, they were thinking about zero. When they handed it off to the production team, they were thinking about zero. And then every weekly meeting, they were talking to the client about whatever things were coming up. And so everybody was poised for zero at the end of this job. So the client expected it. Project managers expected it. The salesperson expected it. and, And I think everybody knows that when you expect something seriously enough, your behavior changes so that you actually start accomplishing that. So I thought that was the big takeaway for me was just how do you change every part of the company so that we all work together for this common goal of the client's total satisfaction without any kind of list at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, we are on to your number one. 
All right. So here we go. Number one, I wish I had a drum roll for you. <laughs> it has to be the mini games with Brad Yetman from Anthony Wilder Design in Cabin John, Maryland. And it isn't so much about the games for me, but it's about how do we motivate people. And I think uh, they have done an amazing job through using these little um, contests or games uh, to do, to, to motivate people. And he shared about their lumberyard run problem, which probably 95% of the people listening to this are going to say, yeah, I got that problem too. But they share, he shared about how he realized that, that they had a problem, that the lumberyard runs were costing them way more money than they could afford to do that. And they wanted to make some changes. So he pulled his group together. And this is one of the big things that, that we've tried to emphasize and that they've done a great job with is get everybody together to figure out and talk about what's the solution going to be. And so he uh, mentioned a couple of different things. One is, you know, got to identify what the problem is that you're going to going to do. You've got to identify um, how you're going to keep score. And the, the really fun thing about Anthony Wilder design is they, they have fun with whatever they do. And uh, some of the stuff that they do, I, I can't really say publicly, but in this case, uh, they decided to keep score on a piece of toilet paper. They called the game Stop the Runs. And I think the more fun you have with that, the, 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 the better it is. And they kept score on a toilet paper roll. And then the last thing he said was that the critical thing was let the team who's trying to win this game figure out what the reward's going to be. Because I think a lot of business owners – are thinking like, well, I got to give them like $10,000 in order to make them, you know, feel good about this. And what he shared was that they wanted some kind of special lunch box and they said, fine. And I, you know, I never asked Brad, but it had to have been only, you know, four or five, $600, maybe, a, maybe even a thousand dollars it cost to give everybody this special lunch box when they won. But it, it's not nearly as much as we would expect it to be. Yeah, he mentioned the fact that they'll always look back at that gift, that lunchbox, and, and see success in that. And that has been, I think, the episode that I've heard the most feedback on. Uh, I knew you'd be putting it number one, so I didn't put it. But uh, <laughs> but it, yes. it, it was really the gold standard of this whole process. And um, I think really that, that theme of having fun with it plays to the heart of the most successful processes we've heard doing this podcast yeah i think oh we keep hearing over and over again there's a couple of different themes across the board one of them is have some fun in other words you know this is hard work this is serious work uh dollars and cents are definitely serious but have a little bit of fun this was one way there are other ways that other guests have talked about having a little bit of fun. And the other thing that we keep hearing over and over and over again is get your team involved. Ask them what they think. Don't just hand them a process. Don't just hand them a system. Don't just say, okay, this is what you have to do. Get them engaged in the process of planning these things out. You'll get better response. They'll be vested in it. And you don't have to work as hard. You don't have to think as hard. You don't have to you know, stay up till midnight trying to get something in place. So um, just 
there, these themes keep coming out. We keep addressing them and we're hoping that it really makes a difference for everybody that listens in. Yeah. So Tim, as we wrap up, maybe, uh, you know, I'd like to just say thank you to you. This has been a fantastic show. I want to thank the, everyone that's listened, commented, uh, and over to you giving a thanks to our, what's yeah, this been I'd like for to, you? I'd like to thank everybody and uh, spread the word out there. Cause we're just trying to help, you know, we're trying to get information out there that really does, um, help everybody. The other thing I'd like to suggest is if you have a topic idea that you'd like us to cover, uh, shoot me an email, Tim at remodelersadvantage.com and let me know. I, I'm always looking for ideas. I'm looking for guests and uh, we'd love to, to uh, expand the horizons a little bit if you have some ideas for us. So thank you so much. It's made my experience with podcasting just an exceptionally great experience so we'll just wrap up with the tagline we want to thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show and remember we're helping the bottom line through production training this has been another episode of the tim fowler show want to hire tim and fast track your growth visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.